Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. On today's date in history, 1965, February 21st, was the day that Malcolm X was assassinated in the United States. In this Black History Month, as we talk about beloved community, I had in my mind that today I would do a conversation about Malcolm and Martin. That's not um, a topic that is unexplored, but I thought, Perhaps I'll think how the two, these two great leaders thought about community and building strength in community. That was until I read an article that quoted Lena Gardner, Minneapolitan, the executive director of Blue Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. And she said this in the Star Tribune in January. She said, women are missing from some of the most prominent stories from the civil rights movement because they weren't provided the same privilege to leave their homes and jobs to participate. Quote, I don't think anything significant is going to change, she said about the future portrayal of black women in the current movement for justice. She continues, there is this whole fetishism and cult of the charismatic black man. I don't think that will change. Well, when Lena Gardner speaks, I think it's important to listen. And I began to see that that's exactly what I was planning to do, was to focus on these two great well-known leaders in the civil rights movement. And what am I missing? What voices are left out? And I thought, if a shift is to come, how can we help that shift? That Lena is fairly pessimistic may happen. Well, I think we can shift, help this shift by learning about Black, Indigenous, and other women of color who are leading in their fields and, and broaden our understanding of who shapes movements. Learning about women like Margaret Bonds, the composer that Barb Brooks told us about, I didn't know about her before, and, and now I know something that I didn't know before about who helps bring the ideas of music into the stream. Learning about women of the Black Panther movement provides a contradiction to the hyper-masculine aura of the party. It was women like Kathleen Cleaver and Frederica Newton, Elaine Brown, and others who conceived and coordinated the Transformative Breakfast Program for school children. Learning about Ella Baker that Allison told us about so that she is as important in our understanding of the civil rights movement as Dr. King and Malcolm X. Learning about Fannie Lou Hamer and Diane Nash and many more. Prioritizing the expertise and leadership of women. Indeed, having women at the table makes a difference to how decisions get made. Today, we are honored to have Tyra Thomas of Street Voices of Change with us. Street Voices is affiliated with Align Minneapolis, of which 
FUS is a member congregation. Tyra is a leader with Street Voices and has been instrumental in getting the Shelter Residents Bill of Rights off the ground and into the Capitol for legislation. Tyra, it is a pleasure to welcome you to First Unitarian Society. Thank you. Good Thank morning. You. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Tyra and I sit on the steering committee of Align Minneapolis together, and um, I've been looking for an opportunity for us to have a dialogue. So, so here we go. I just, I just want to talk and and ask some questions about um, your work as a leader, and uh, for you to help us understand some things about the Shelter Residents Bill of Rights. So, so we'll just chat a little bit. Will you tell us a little bit about Street Voices of Change? Just a little thumbnail sketch about the organization. Street Voices of Change uh, was, is a group that came together four years ago over conditions and concerns that was happening at shelter. For a long time, I was walking around by myself um, wanting to have that conversation uh, of my traumatic experience at shelter. And even though it was not all bad, it was traumatic enough where I needed to do something. Something had to be um, had to be changed. And for a long time, I was walking around just like talking to people and um, even other homeless individuals who were afraid of you know having that conversation. Some of them still homeless um, and in those shelters and worried about reprisals or retaliation or um, and I found this group uh, as small at, at the time at Central Lutheran uh, in Minneapolis. And it, it was like such a relief to find a group of people that had the same uh, concerns. And the group grew, and now we have four locations. Um, it took us um, uh, a lot about getting to know each other first. Um, even though we see each other outside when we were homeless or at shelters, um, um, folks were not really knowing, getting to know each other, know each other. And so through that space, we were able to talk about those concerns and came up with a solution. And that was the Shelter Residence Bill of Rights. And so for it to now be um, at the Capitol, it, it was almost like shocking. It was like a dream. Like, is this really happening? Am I really here talking to lawmakers about dignity and respect? and and um, how we can be our brothers and sisters and siblings keepers. It, it was just amazing um, that we are now um, floating around in a bill at the at the legislative level. It's, it's oh, exciting. That is wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about what the shelter bill of rights, shelter residents bill of rights, um, a little bit about what it says and what it will do. What, how, how will it help protect people who are having a lived experience of homelessness who are in shelter? What it will do is it, it's, it's setting a standard of treatment. It's setting a standard of, of disclosure. A lot of, I, I actually didn't know what I was getting into going into a shelter. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what, you know, I knew that if I did something wrong, they'd kick you out 
or you know, or there was there was uh, conditions around my body in that space, but I really didn't have an understanding of what the shelter was supposed to provide for me, and how I could navigate a pathway home. And so that is what the Shelter Residence Bill of Rights is going to do. It's going to set a standard that um, that the community at large that cares for folks who. Are, are who are outside. The, 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 we saw it this past summer um, where it's just in your face now. You can't just drive by it without seeing it. It's everywhere. And folks wanted to come out. Neighbors came out. Uh, Potterhorn Park, that, that whole um, situation. Neighbors really did come out and say, what can we do? Because people gave, people donated, people did all these things. And they're like going, why are people still outside? And when they start finding out that um, they had same traumatic experiences at shelter, um, uh, they want to get involved. And so um, Street Voices has had um, lots of support from Align and from FU, uh, FUS and, and others uh, on that on that team. And it's, it's just about um, like an aftercare, because when you're displaced, anything can get you displaced. Tornado, floods, I say it all the time. Divorce leads to its separation. Funeral could even, a loss of another income um, can can put someone in that displacement mode and shelter should be a place of what I would consider aftercare and love people uh, back to, the, to, to their strength and in their place of vulnerability to their pathway home. You know, I love hearing this. And before I began to learn about Shelter Bill, Residence Bill of Rights, I was not aware that there wasn't a standard of care. It seems uh, it is it is basic to human rights. And so I think um, the work that you're doing and helping to move it forward is, is giving us a, a basic level that we need to have. I think that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, can you say something about how you got involved as a, a leader at Street Voices? Um, I mean, you came in kind of not knowing what it would be. And then also what it means for you to be a, a leader as a woman um, in an organization where many of the participants, if not most of the participants are men. Have there been any particular challenges uh, for you in that? You know, I, I thought about this and and I couldn't pin it down. I couldn't pin down challenges. I had my personal challenges, but the dynamic of the men and the women, because our group is predominantly men and African-American men. Um, I think I, I just really believe that that space just really humbled everyone, men and women of the homeless community. Uh, what I found that um, was some of my challenges was getting more women to come. That was actually my challenge. And I was like, okay, what is it that we can't attract more women to the group? Is there, um, are they feeling intimidated? Is there a challenge there for them? I, I, I really, I really don't know, but you wouldn't know unless you came to the group. So um, I did find that um, uh, we had, plenty of um, men, beds for men. And we were lacking in enough beds for women and predominantly um, uh, uh, the high, uh, 
the second highest rate of homelessness is black women in Hennepin County. And so it was like, well, how do I, how do I get them to come? How do I, and I, and I just really tried to do some footwork. I, you know, all hours of the night, I, I truly believe you have to go to dark places if you want to shine a light. And <laughs> um, I mean, I rode the train all night sometimes, you know, from 11 at night to six o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to seek out, um, uh, these women's and, and bring them uh, to the table that they had a safe place to have a conversation and their stories would be uh, respected. And it's just still seems to be a struggle to have more women with uh, my, my place as leadership in that role. Um, I am surrounded by some beautiful African-American black and Brown men. I, I, I just, I just don't even know what to say. It's like they're just they're just awesome. They're just awesome. You know, if I'm having a bad day, folks address it, you know, and or you know, um if things are going well, folks address it. You just feel this 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 sense of camaraderie and I just couldn't really find a challenge. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. And I think I love that quote. You have to go to some dark places to shine a light. But also the story that you tell over and over at the at Align, at the steering committee and in other places, is the full humanity of seeing the full humanity of people in all of their uh, beauty and brokenness. And, and aren't we all in our various ways, both beautiful and broken? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it's, it's, easy sometimes to pass by people who are having a lived experience of homelessness, pass by the encampments, pass by people who are standing at the street corner and kind of avert our eyes or not see the, the full beauty, um, as you're saying, of these wonderful people that you get to work with. And I'm so grateful um, for your work in this and continuing to lift that up, continuing to lift up the dignity because it's there. As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm uh, the, the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. Um, and sometimes it's easier to see than others. And so, mm -hmm. so this is good to, to be reminded over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. We talked about this just very briefly, and I, I loved what you had to say. This is kind of a way to, to bring our uh, conversation to a close here. Um, what, what advice would you give to people who are searching to find their voice in leadership? Hmm, uh, I remember saying, uh, um, find your passion. What are you passionate about? You know, what, what hits you in, in your gut? you know, in, in our lives as human beings on this earth, you know, is it, is it, um, the water's not clean enough. The grass is not green enough. It, it, um, I, uh, I don't have enough diversity in my community. Um, you know, um, and, and, and the guy that's standing on the side of the road, why is he standing there with his, with his hands out? A lot of folks didn't realize that the larger community did not realize that you had to pay to stay in shelters. And some of the shelters took all your money and you only had like a hundred dollars. So, you know, for the whole month, and then you're supposed to go look for housing. So, you know, a lot of folks, uh, um, you know, just didn't understand how they, um, 
could, or you, you don't understand, sometimes you don't get the, how you can impact it by finding your passion. And, and once you find that, then you find your voice. And then it just gravitates to you. It's just like this energy that folks will just flock to you. And that's, that's how I felt. I just kept talking. I was passionate. I've always been passionate about helping other folks. Um, sometimes, uh, um, uh, forgetting to even help myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, a, that gets me into trouble sometimes. Um, but however, um, that's what I, that's what I've been passionate about is caring for other people, standing up for other folks. And when it happened to me and I said, Oh, wait, this is not just me. There are other people that are being treated like this. And if I return to that situation due to any circumstances, I don't want to be treated like that again. Mm -hmm. So to find, to find your voice in leadership is just to discover what your passion is and what you're passionate about. Um, like the song we heard um, earlier today, um, the world end as we know it. I love that song. I'm, it's still ringing in my head. That's passion. And that brought a voice to a very powerful um, place in, in time we are in our world right now. So um, just finding your passion. Oh, thank you. We are, we are blessed by your passion. And I'm so delighted to have gotten to have this time with you. Um, I want to say to all of our FUS uh, members and friends that we hope that you will register and attend the webinar tomorrow night. Align Minneapolis is presenting a webinar about the Shelter Residence Bill of Rights, what it is and how we can help pass it, how we can help get it through the legislature. It's there now. You, Tyra, and many, many people have done the legwork to get the bill jacketed and moving through the process to become law in Minnesota. Um, there's more information in the Friday email about this webinar, and I hope it's going to be in the chat either now or very soon. Maybe it is a good time that we come to the end of the world as we know it, because more and better is waiting for us as we bring it forward, as we listen to the voices of women, of people who have traditionally been marginalized, who have wisdom and experience and expertise, who need a voice at the table to help bring about the world of justice that we so much seek. Tyra, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I hope we'll get to do this again. Yes, thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.